Oh, it's the most wonderful time. It's the most. So we're recording this on the 23rd of December, 2022, two days before Christmas. <laughs> and so I thought I'd ask you a bit about this season, Christmas and the season in general, from a symbolic point of view or cultural point of view, or perhaps even from a practice point of view, what comes to your mind in this kind of a season? Well, I think the thing to start with is that, of course, not everybody's doing Christmas, right? I mean, there's lots of people who don't observe Christmas, but what we all do uh, in our bodies, regardless of where we then put the symbology or the tradition or the myth or the cultural thing is in the rhythms, right? We have body rhythms and we have circadian rhythms and we have uh, kind of seasonal uh, rhythms that direct our body into certain kind of behaviors. And I think that's really interesting when you look at the choice of holidays and when you look at the choice of rituals and, and all of that, because uh, if you're on the Northern hemisphere, right, where, where Christmas was conceived, so to speak, uh, what we're looking at is the super dark nights, right? And the, the very, very short uh, days. And of course it's cold and there is you know, an angle to the sun and all of those things. And we have a solstice, which just happened uh, a couple of days ago, right? And that is the longest uh, night and the, the shortest day in the Northern Hemisphere. And of course, the other way around in the Southern Hemisphere, which is kind of also interesting when you look at what that means around New Year's rituals and stuff, which we'll talk about at another time. But when it's really dark and when the nights are very long and when it's cold, things happen in the body. And um, things happen kind of in our psyche and, and in kind of our mythological body, so to speak. Um, and they kind of intersect. And that's always been really, really interesting to me because, um, of course, having grown up in Austria, which is a country that firmly does Christmas, and there's a lot of very uh, specific traditions around the Christmas time and the solstice time and and you know the time after Christmas that's rooted in Celtic traditions, um, and you know where kind of the pagan traditions were were fused with the with the Christian traditions into something that when you look at it from a little bit further out, which is the body and the rhythms of the body and how our circadian rhythms work makes total sense. So. Um, I've always loved that whole, you know, how it fuses together. So essentially, the darker it is and the less sun we get, the less um, active we are in, in, you know, digestion as well as in our endocrine system. And then as the go days goes lighter, we become more and more active, right? There's more um, sex hormones, there's more... Uh, dopamine, there's more this uh, serotonin, you know, like it, it kind of swells as the sun goes longer and then it goes back down as the sun goes shorter and the days go shorter. And when you look at all the traditions around Christmas and, and uh, you know, the, the solstice, they're all about going inward, um, resting, taking a break, uh, you know, eating differently as well. Of course, you know, our ancestors couldn't uh, import fruits from Peru or South Africa or wherever in the in in the winter. They had to eat what there was, and there wasn't a lot of uh, fresh, you know, produce, and there wasn't a lot of um, 
you know, colorful fruit or whatever available. So the, the eating changes, the kind of heavy foods, the fats, the, uh, you know, kind of um, protection for the body, which ties in, of course, with the holidays. And then all these rituals around bringing back the light and illuminating the dark night and giving extra light to not only our body, but also our kind of psyche and, and our soul by candles, by, you know, Yule fires or, or bonfires, solstice fires, Christmas decorations, all of those things make total sense when you look at um, how do you deal with things like seasonal uh, affective disorder? How do you deal with really long nights? How do you deal with kind of the feeling of, is the sun ever going to come back? Is this ever going to uh, get bright again? Because, you know, in the ancient days, there wasn't as much light or technology or things available. So all of those beautiful rituals that people observe are grounded in that idea. And I just think that's very beautiful to remember that beyond, you know, buying lots of Christmas presents or, or, you know, doing massive gaudy decorations out on the lawn. There's some real sense and purpose behind these things. Yes. That's very interesting. Do you do anything special around the solstice, uh, winter solstice, the 21st of December? Does that have meaning for you? It does uh, probably equal to Christmas for me. Christmas of course is uh strongly associated with growing up and my family and my family's tradition, as well as the traditions uh, in, you know, my hometown or my home country, which are very uh, specific and, and they have like really positive, beautiful connotations in my body. So I do observe those as well in, in varying ways, but solstice um, was always the you know, the, the moment where you knew it was tipping back into the light. So to me, till this day, that's the, that's kind of my new year. That's when I set myself up for the year ahead. So I kind of do the things that people typically do on new year on solstice. And I make lists and I do rituals of letting things go. And I light fires and um, in various ways, uh, you know, either outside or inside, um, meaning, you know, uh, candles and things or, or actual fires out, uh, on the, on the fire pit. And, uh, I, I let go, I do rituals of letting go. And then I do rituals of, uh, calling in and whenever I can. And in the last couple of years, of course, I've been home, um, you know, consistently for those, uh, for the solstice, I go up on the roof on the morning of, after the solstice and sit and watch the sunrise. And that's always kind of a really cool moment because to me, that's kind of the, the new year's sunrise, so to speak, where I sit and till the, till the sun is high enough that I get it in my face and my eyes. And, and um, you know, that feels like the, the new beginning and the very positive stepping into something. And of course, because also typically this time of the year is when we end our work year, right? You and I and uh, in, in the office. Um, this is also kind of the time where naturally we look back at, um, you know, how has the year gone? What have we accomplished? Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a celebratory feeling. And then there's that little bit of a pause. And then 
that starts the new year and starts the new calendar and starts new events and things like that. So it's kind of a really cool and and fun period um, for me. Yeah, I'm wondering about that. How how does you choose which of these special days to mark and how you do them? Um, I wonder. It, some people say, well, such things are useful for personal psychological structure. Well, we can mark the solstice. Uh, it's a gives us a sense of um, some sort of psychological benefit or so. In a way, it's arbitrary uh, in that sense. Other people say, no, actually connecting to these special days, marking them, pausing, uh, you know, it can help one to harness some sort of natural biological rhythm or maybe even some sort of celestial influence of some kind, right? Some sort of, uh, you know, you know, potency in the in the magnetism or something I don't know what people say so I'm curious um, how you land with that do you see that these days have actually in themselves some sort of power that can be tapped into or that one can join in with or do you see it mainly as a somewhat arbitrary marker for one's own psychological rhythm hmm. well I think that when you look at things through multiple layers, it's really nice to see what stacks up and makes sense. So as I was saying earlier, regardless of how you feel about the holidays, right? some people hate the holidays, some people don't observe holidays, you know, things like that, regardless of how you feel about that, there is your endocrine system, there's your nervous system, there's the, the rhythms that connect us with nature. And when you look at that as the basis, then you can always say, um, your body, unless you're living in a crazy artificial environment, right, like 24-hour, you know, uh, artificial light or something like that, unless you live in that kind of situation, forced or, you know, vol voluntary, your body does orient towards nature and your body does orient towards light and sleep and things like that. So I think from that, from that viewpoint, um, these kind of rhythms and the darkest day and uh, the, you know the, the the shortest day the darkest night definitely does something to the body and we know now and we've talked about this before that sunlight exposure is one of the the best and easiest markers to improve health and sleep and you know endocrine function and stuff like that so from that level i think there's an actual physical benefit to being aware of those things and observing them some, or at least observing yourself in the context of those waning and waxing cycles. But then of course, there's also the more, let's say, um, you know, soul or, or, or psyche kind of based thing where we as, as human beings um, are, you know, very strongly tied to mythology and, um, you know, traditions and upbringings and things like that. And uh, we do have a home somewhere, kind of a mythological home, so to speak, somewhere where our, you know, how Jung would call it, the collective unconscious rises into certain kind of behaviors or certain kind of meaning making that's meaningful to us and marks certain certain points like the new year for instance which is totally arbitrary right but 
because it's collective, it does something because it's a deadline, you know, where you can kind of go, okay, we're drawing a line in the sand. This is done. This is new. There's a kind of a psychological hope. There's also kind of a collective societal hope and things like that. So, um, you know, making meaning out of days or making meaning out of ritual is super important for well-being, emotional well-being or or mythic well-being, however you want to say it, psychological well-being. And I think that's that's something to know. And uh, ritual, any form of ritual, doesn't matter if that's you go shopping on the day before Christmas or, um, you know, you always go to the neighbors on the 26th in the morning or whatever it is, or very elaborate, more, let's say, spiritual rituals, um, a mass, you know, going to a midnight mass or lighting a candle, uh, every day, you know, for for a certain amount of days or whatever it is, um, ritual anchors you to kind of your lineage and your ancestors and where you come from, and your societal and and mythological birthplace. And that anchoring has a aligning and settling effect, and you can use that to your benefit, and you can use it for your well-being and I think one of the things we've seen in the pandemic is that when people aren't able to observe their rituals whatever they are uh, it has a really negative effect on mental well-being and mental health and so now that you know we're back at a place where most people can do that again I think it's good to pause and say uh, yes that has value and yes having family traditions or personal traditions or spiritual traditions or, you know, even commercial traditions, you know, is a good thing because it anchors us. Yes, that's very interesting. And what about the communal aspect or the community aspect? I know where you are, you have certain neighborly rituals, I suppose. That makes it sound very suspicious indeed. <laughs> but you have neighborly, you know, things that you do. Maybe you can say something about that. And it's kind of nice to have these... Uh, fixed points um, as a group to uh, engage with in a lightsome way. Maybe you could say something a little bit about what it is you do over there and what effect you think it has perhaps, or what, what you, you know, what's it for really? Yeah. In the vein of when we talk about neighborly rituals, right? Having community, whatever that choice of community is, it could be family, could be chosen friends, could be a spiritual context um, is very anchoring and it is very grounding in a sense that it also allows us to measure ourselves, uh, you know, against the societal backdrop or communal backdrop or things and, uh, you know, of that nature. And there's something really lovely about that. And I also understand for a lot of people, it can be super stressful to go home to their family where it's not that pleasant or where there is a lot of strife or things like that. But even in those moments, um, there's a there's a real value in feeling where you've been during the time you haven't observed that particular ritual or that particular communal get together and feel yourself as the human you've become in that time away right or in that time since the last time uh, your holiday happened or things like that and be able to kind of take a little bit of stock of where you've grown or uh, what's been going on and your 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 positives and your negatives and all of that. And in my community up here, you know, we have a very tight-knit uh, neighborhood, close neighborhood. And of course, we got a lot tighter after the, the wildfire because 
many of us, you know, lost our homes on December 7th. And then, you know, less than three weeks later, there was Christmas. And so in that year, the people who still had houses hosted quite elaborate, like potluck Christmas uh, extravaganzas for people who didn't have houses. And that's, um, that's reinforced what was already there, which is kind of a getting together, taking stock, celebrating, being happy, everybody's still alive, so to speak, right? And, and, and also bringing new people from the community in and having these, these established rituals of, um, you know, community. And so in how that looks in, in my neighborhood is that on the 25th, early in the morning, <laughs> And we're talking early, um, you know, not like euphemistically early, but we're talking 6 a.m. Uh, my next door neighbor, who is a very wonderful uh, man, starts firing up his oven and, you know, making the coffee and things like that. And then he gets ready for his breakfast, uh, his Christmas breakfast. And then so around 7, 7.30, the first people start arriving. And um, typically by 8, there's a full house of people uh, sitting around drinking mimosas at 8 a.m. <laughs> having Christmas breakfast. And it's it's waves and strays as well as family, as well as community. And uh, it, it typically uh, is a moment where everyone just, you know, honors each other in the neighborhood. And, and it's very lovely. And uh, by the time that's done, most people then go home and uh, do the family things that are traditionally done. So that's a mainstay and everybody has the dish they have to bring. Or uh, in my case, I have to juice oranges uh, because I have the ripe oranges that always get ripe around Christmas. And um, this year I'm also making quiches and you know things of that nature. So everybody has their duty. Everybody brings something. Everybody contributes and it sets off the day for everyone uh, in a very uh, delightful and often rather boozy way. So uh, that that's a mainstay. And then there's a few other ones, um, you know, where different people have different ways of celebrating. Everybody typically on the 25th who lives around here goes, hikes up the hill after, um, you know, the, the Christmas meal uh, to walk off some of the heavy food. And then uh, people, you know, have mulled wine or drinks or whatever with the neighbors in the evening. So there's all these different ways um, that the traditions are called in. There's typically a fire involved. There's typically uh, appreciation and toasting involved. So it's very celebratory in a communal way. And I think, you know, to, to kind of segue from that into what can people do when they are stuck somewhere where they don't want to be in a family situation or even in a family situation they want to be is to look for the things that connect people, even if it's a bit odd stuff, right? Uh, in my, in my uh, family, uh, there was always that moment when my grandmother would uh, give her gifts, which were always uh, both hilarious and somewhat offensive. And, you know, even though that could have been a, a, a very unpleasant thing, the entire family made it like this very hilarious thing of both, um, you know, seeing what was it going to be this year and also seeing it as as kind of the the bizarre quirk of my grandmother and, and enjoying it 
while she was alive. And till this day, everybody still remembers that as and remembers her in a very fond way, even though, like I said, it sometimes was, uh, you know, a bit bizarre. Uh, and could have been very upsetting, particularly for my mother, who always got some very strange gifts. So, you know, so there is ways to kind of cherish even the, the very strange stuff uh, in, the, in the bigger picture, of course. Oh, yes, that's very funny indeed. So, of course, I think this leads me to my last question on Christmas and the season. Next week, of course, we'll release an episode all about New Year's and considerations around that, but to do with Christmas anyway. What thoughts do you have for those who are alone on Christmas, don't have access to that community by choice or otherwise are not able to be with friends or family, for example, and they're by themselves is the case for some uh, some people, or m many of us at some time or another have had that experience. So I'm wondering if you have any thoughts or uh, reflections to share with those sorts of people. Yeah, and it can be pretty tough when particularly when it, it's it's combined with feeling like there's a loss or feeling that there's a a break in you know continuation when people get divorced or when you know somebody dies or uh, you know things of that nature uh, it can be really really rough when you suddenly find yourself out of those traditions and out of those anchors and um you know then there's also you know a lot of people that we speak with on you know around the holidays then make that mean something for who they are in the world and you know who, how they are perceived in society so there is a lot of really heavy stuff around that and of course the first thing always is to say get as much support as you need even if it's professional support so you can make it through the holidays okay this is also true for people who have to get into family situations that are you know less than ple pleasant but also i think it's important to remember that because we're such creatures of uh, ritual and uh, you know habit and tradition, you can create your own and you can do things that are really meaningful that don't necessarily involve other people. And that can even honor the loss of someone or a situation in the sense that you take that into consideration and create a new tradition or create a new set of circumstances. And I think some of us had to do that during the pandemic. And, um, you know, there, there, there is things that can be done. I mean, during the pandemic, when we were in the first Christmas during lockdowns and uh, total, you know, not knowing what was happening, um, I had to essentially, you know, come up with new rituals and new ways of being for Christmas because I have a huge thing around Christmas Eve being Austrian. We do Christmas Eve. And so I kind of made this very elaborate meal and uh, with all the favorite things I like to eat and then had a Christmas tree and sat there by myself and really felt the appreciation for those who I missed at that particular moment in time. And also really felt the appreciation for having the situation I had. And it was really impactful. And um, it's something that I've been doing ever since as a means of connecting to different ways of looking at things. And, and there's a certain kind of resilience in that as well. So the, the important piece here, I think, is that we're all 
um, able to make new rituals or create new traditions. And we have cause over that. We don't have cause about losing or over losing things or being unpartnered or being uh, away from our family when we don't want to, but we have the, the ability and the wherewithal to just create something new. And in that going into something new, there's an empowerment and there is a, uh, you know, there's a joy in doing that, that I think is always useful to remember. Yes, thank you very much. Is there anything, uh, any final words or thoughts you'd like to say about, about this topic before we finish this podcast? Well, I just want to bring it back to the very beginning that regardless of what the tradition or the belief or not belief or whatever it is that you hold, there is a value in the uh, feeling the body in that mo in that cycle of sun and sun and moon and you know the way the axis shifts and all of that and to remember that as uh, why these this whole season started or why these traditions started and why uh, you know certain even very commercial things started and in the remembering back kind of bringing it back to uh, a much more simple but yet profound um, aspect of being alive as a human on this planet I think is always a really good thing to remember. Thank you very much Michaela. Thank you, Steve.